Mark chapter 9 this morning. <clears throat> it's a dreary day, dark day, windy day, rainy day, uh, but I'm glad that God's still on the throne, and uh, I'm glad I had a, uh, um, I had one brother just text me out of the blue saying, uh, uh, just encouraging me today, you know, you, you know, we get to preach the word, you know, one more time, Lord willing, and I got excited about that. And then there's another brother out in Illinois. He's a pastor, and I've never met him before, but he's always super energetic, and he does these minute-long things on Facebook, and I usually share it, and I was watching him, uh, and he's ready to go. And I thought, my goodness, you know, sometimes we can just uh, come in here and just, you know, go through the motions. But, you know, we get to come here. We get to worship God, and one day we'll get to worship Him face-to-face. We'll get to... Uh, we'll get to bow down at his feet, Brother Preston. I, I, I'm not going to bring anything to heaven with me, none of my riches or anything. Like that. He's going to give me a crown, and then I get to cast that crown at his feet because I'm not even worthy of anything. But aren't you glad this is the God that we get to worship today? And I want to talk about this is in Mark 9. This is from when Jesus was walking this earth. Uh, and I, I just love reading in the Gospels, just love reading how uh, what our Savior did uh, in that short time. And we don't even have the full account, but I just love uh, how he interacted with people, how he showed compassion. Uh, and this, he's our guide. You know, Jesus, we're following him. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, so it's always good to look at what he did. But Mark... 1914 so in the middle of the chapter uh, of mark chapter 9 verse 14 uh, talking of jesus and when he came to his disciples he saw a great multitude unto them and the scribes questioning with them and straightway all the people when they beheld him were greatly amazed and running to him saluting him saluted him and he asked the scribes what question ye with them and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And what, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I uh, be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when they saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long uh, is it ago since this came to him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that it would come alive in our minds and in our hearts today. Lord, that you touch my voice. Help me to preach. Fill me with the unction, but Lord, not me only. Lord, fill us all with your spirit that can teach today. And Lord, help uh, point out things in our life so that way we can draw closer to you. Lord, be more obedient and do your will. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. 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 Never fails. Everything's going fine until you get up and start preaching, but that's all right. 
Uh, the beginning of chapter 9 is the transfiguration. So that is where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up into the mountain. And they saw Jesus transfigured in front of them. They saw him glow uh, like no man could. He, he appeared as white. They saw him in his glory. Uh, and there was also Elijah and Moses also up on the mountain. Uh, and, and Jesus is talking with them. And remember Peter, he's the one that sometimes talks without thinking. You know, the Bible even says he didn't know what to say, but he was talking anyway. Amen. Uh, we've been there, haven't we? You know, we just uh, say the first thing. And Peter's saying, man, it's good to be here, Lord. Why don't we just build, uh, you know, three tabernacles, basically three little dwelling places. And we can just stay up here. You know, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Uh, and what, what Peter wasn't realizing is in that statement, he's putting Jesus, Moses, and Elijah all on a level playing field. Uh, and that's when the voice from heaven interrupts him and says, hey, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, uh, there's... There is Jesus. He is ahead of it all. And I'm thankful for that. But isn't it a blessing also to think about? You've got Moses. Uh, you've got uh, Elijah who were uh, talking about the Savior to come. And here they are. Now they see the Savior yeah. to come. That's a blessing Amen. to think about that. Uh, so anyway, Peter wants to stay up on the mountain. Right? He wants to stay up there. He didn't want to come down. This is a blessing. It's a great time. You know why he didn't want to come down? Because our story is at the bottom of the mountain. Amen. Spiritually, where do we want to be? At the high spot. Everything's going good. Uh, all, nothing but blessings. No trials. You got enough money in the bank account. Your health's doing good. Uh, everything seems to be going right. That's where we want to stay, right? But what is at the top of a mountain? It's a lot of times cold and windy and dry, isn't it? Uh, there might be snow up there, but it's dry up there. I, I guarantee it. Uh, you don't, things don't grow once you go high enough, right? And if we're honest with ourselves, the places where we've grown spiritually the most were in the valley. Yeah. Where everything's green and watered. And it, it's a physical metaphor, but I believe also spiritually it matches. The times I've grown closest to God were when I've had to rely on Him the most. When I've had to dig into his promises the most, when I've had to pray, even when I didn't want to pray or didn't know what to pray, and watch the Lord take care of me. So they're coming off the mountain, and then they run into the work of the devil. So Mark's account tells us that, uh, that we read that the scribes were questioning the other nine disciples. So remember, Peter, James, and John we're with Jesus. They're coming down off the mountain. And all of a sudden, the other nine, uh, there are the scribes, which are those Jewish religious leaders. They're basically arguing with these disciples. And here Jesus intervenes and says, what question ye with them? In verse 16, uh, and then we see uh, the problem. Amen. The father uh, answers Jesus's question and says, hey, I brought my son to your disciples. He's got a dumb spirit. So that means he couldn't talk. Uh, and uh, it was because of demon possession that he's doing all these things. Uh, and your disciples were not able to cast him out. And the fact that the scribes were arguing with the disciples shows us something about the scribes' heart. See, they didn't care about the father. They didn't care about the boy, you know, the son uh, that was possessed. 
They only cared about uh, looking at the disciples and, 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 you know, arguing with them. And they took this. They were excited about this, right? When the devil sees us fail, he's excited about it, isn't he? They were excited. Look, you couldn't cast out that devil, right? You weren't powerful enough to do it. You say that Jesus is God and you couldn't even do that. This is what they were saying. This is what they were arguing about. You know, I noticed one thing. If the scribes had the true religion, if they had the true power, if they were truly where God wanted them to be, why didn't they cast out the devil? They didn't even try. Instead, they're arguing. Isn't that what false religion does? They don't show us their power. They argue with us. They belittle us. They call us haters. And in the end, they're the ones that didn't show love to anybody. Amen? I just read the account the other day of Elijah there on Mount Carmel. What did he say? You bring all your false uh, God, your false worshipers of your false gods. You all go on your side. I'll be on my side. We'll each get a sacrifice ready. And the God that answers by fire, he'll be God. Amen. And they tried uh, from morning until afternoon. They were yelling and he even makes fun of them. Says maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's on vacation. And they get even crazy. They start cutting themselves to try to get their God to respond, and their God never responded. Amen? Amen. That's the difference between true religion and false religion. Their God is made up, and there's no power there, and there's no love there either. So there the argument is going on. They didn't care about the truth. They just wanted the scribes. They wanted power. They were powerless And they were excited that the disciples had reached a point where they were stuck and couldn't do something. And the father explains that his son couldn't speak. He was mute because of this dumb spirit. Luke tells us that it was his only child. And here's the thing. I've heard people twist these things and say, well, uh, any child that can't learn to speak at a normal time, it must be because it's demon possessed. No, 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 no. That's just what happened to this boy. But that doesn't mean every one of them is like that. But not only was he mute, but we see that he made his body thrash around. He didn't have control of his body, foaming at the mouth. So it would have been a scary sight. And I guarantee this father would have tried everything. He would have tried everything to try to fix it. He would have taken him to doctors and everything else. But, but, uh, and then finally he heard about Jesus. He, he went to his disciples and he was hoping uh, that it would work. Now, why did he hear about them? What was it not? We know that Jesus cast out unclean spirits. But in Mark 6, uh, verse 7, he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And then verses 12 and 13, and they went out and preached that men should repent and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Jesus had already given his disciples power to do this. They had done it. So, you know, if they're casting out demons, if people are getting healed, uh, the word would have spread. And remember, the disciples came back and they rejoiced over it, right? They rejoiced that they had power over devils. So the man brought his son, but the disciples, it says, the Bible says they couldn't do it. They couldn't get him out. They couldn't cast him out. So the father 
you know, later on will say that how bad it really is. He says, hey, the, the, the possession was so bad he'd throw himself in fire, throw himself in water to try to take his life. And isn't that the calling card of the devil right there? Yeah. Right? Our God is the giver of life. The devil's the taker of life. Right? He doesn't want life to live. Whether it's an unborn child, whether it's a teenager, you know, whether it's an adult, what any age, he wants people to take their lives. He wants death. That's what he wants. Jesus is the opposite, right? He created life. He sustains life. And praise God, he's the giver of eternal life. Amen? Amen. That's God. Jesus says, verse 19, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And then ask the question of the father, how long ago? Is it ago since he came unto him and he said of a child? And then look at the end of verse 22. And oft times it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Here's the father talking to Jesus. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That father is pleading with Jesus. And what's the father say? He says, but if. If you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us. Remember, the father had come to Jesus' disciples and asked if you would totally cast him out, totally heal him, uh, totally make him right. Uh, but when his disciples couldn't do that, now the father's faith in Jesus is shaken and he is asking Jesus just not uh, cast the whole thing out of him, but if you can even provide a little help. If you can just show us a little compassion, Jesus, that's all we're asking for. And you know what? Whether we'll admit it or not, if you're a Christian person today, and we claim the name of Jesus Christ over our life and we're a new creature in Christ, the way we live our life will either help or it will hinder this world coming to Jesus. And what happened here is it hindered that man. His faith in Jesus was hindered by coming to the disciples and them not being able to fix his son. The father doesn't ask to heal. He just says, whatever you can do. And you know, we know that Jesus had all power over this devil. There's no problem. He could have easily cast him out. But the father's faith was shattered. So Jesus tells the crowd in verse 19, O faithless generation. See, there was no faith in the scribes, right? They had no faith. They just had a, a knowledge of the scriptures and the extra rules and trying to get to heaven by works and everything else. They didn't have any faith, right? And they didn't even try to do it themselves. The faith in the disciples was hurt, right? They had done it over and over again and it didn't work. The faith of the father, we already said, his was, his was hurt as well. But look what Jesus says in verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. See, Jesus turns that if around. Remember, the father was saying, uh, If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. And now Jesus is saying, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You know what he's saying? Here's the key. Jesus is saying, It's not whether I have the power to heal your son. 
That's not, that's not the key to the whole thing. The key is whether you believe yeah. I have the power yeah. to do it. Yeah. That's it. The only limit that Jesus is saying that he has is the limit is how far does your faith go? How far does your belief go? And if you're the father, how would you respond to Jesus? How would you respond to him? How, uh, you know, uh, he had uh, full faith in the disciples at first until they couldn't help him. So how would you respond? Look at how he responded. Verse 24, straightway, immediately. He didn't wait. The father, the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. But he didn't stop there. See, if he had just said, Lord, I believe, wow, that's great faith. No, he said, help thou mine unbelief. Yeah. And yeah. it seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? It seems like, wait, he's saying, I believe, but I don't believe. Help my unbelief. And really, he believed in Jesus. He believed in his disciples, but he had hit some circumstances that caused some doubt, right? Lord, I believe you. But I doubt you're strong enough to help my son, but help me to overcome my doubts of what yes. you can do. Yes. That's what he's saying right there. And you're thinking, well, did the father have any faith? Yes, he did. Yes. Or he would have never asked Jesus to help his unbelief. If he had no faith in Jesus, the father would have walked away sorrowfully and taken his son and tried some other worldly solution that wouldn't have worked. But he didn't. He knew Jesus could give him more faith. He's saying, I'm not walking away. I'm not giving up. But I'm also kind of wondering why I'm still here. Right? That's what he was saying. Verse 23. The only limitation to what he could do was belief. And the only reason things hadn't happened, right, were because of unbelief. And I'll tell you what, we could stop right here. This story is pretty easy to understand when you take it and you look at it. it it's not, you know, really complex. I mean, we see a problem. Uh, we see him try to come. Uh, we see a letdown. We see his faith is shaken. Now Jesus is telling, well, if you just believe. And he's saying, well, I don't know. I kind of believe, but I kind of don't. You know what we can do? We can look at this story. And look at the father and kind of look down on him, can't we? Well, why is he doubting? Right? Why, why is he doubting? This is Jesus. Of course he can do it. But you know what? When we do that, we find ourselves filled with pride. Right? We're too proud to admit that our faith needs help from time to time. Maybe your faith needs help right now in a certain area. Maybe you, because here's the, here's the thing. If we look about this story... Where do we fit in the story? We're not the possessed son. We're definitely not Jesus. We're not the scribe. I hope, I hope you've got real, a true relationship with Jesus Christ. That only leaves one thing, the father. We're the father in the story. That's us, right? This story's not here just to document another miracle, just to show that Jesus had power over devils. We know that by now. The story's here for us. How do we relate to it? You know, and I began to think about this. And you guys know we just started planning this mission trip.
to Honduras. It's been a while since we've gone on one, so you know, you kind of remember some things start to come into your mind. You start thinking about it. You know, we got some people that are interested uh, that uh, immediately did some research, and then they said, well, I, I'm not so sure now. I, I don't think I'm going to feel safe, and you know, the Secretary of State's website doesn't do a lot of help with that. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, and then uh, some people are already anticipating problems. I, I've got, you know, some problems have cropped in my mind already. Uh, other people have done that. And then I had to stop and ask myself, now, wait a second. It's easy for me to say to the one that's unsafe, that's saying, well, maybe it's not going to be safe to go there. Lord, I believe that you want us to go there. Lord, Lord, I believe that you can watch over us. But help my unbelief. That's what needs to happen, right? Or, or you know, I've even thought of, well, we're bringing our kids. We, we've never done this. I went on a one mission trip where uh, Jen and Kyle Chadwick, they brought their oldest. She was not even a year old, I think, on the trip. Lord took care of that. Lord, help my unbelief. I've had to say that. Lord, I've got doubts coming in my mind. Lord, I don't know if, you know, people have said, I don't know if certain people will get along, right? We're not, it's in the summertime. They're already worried about fighting with one another. And I'm thinking, Lord, help our unbelief, Right? And this is just one example. There's some people in the sanctuary with me right now that are Christians, saved by Jesus Christ. God's given you gifts in your life and a calling for your life, and He's given you a job to do, and you're not really doing it. And I'm looking at you and thinking, well, it's got to be a faith problem. Wait, what do you mean a faith problem? Well, do you believe that God said for a Christian, we're going to stand before him one day and give an account for how we've lived our life since we're saved, what we've done for him or what we have. We're going to give an account for that. The Bible says that. And if you believe that, you will act accordingly, right? You'll serve him till he takes you home or till he calls you to do something else, right? Well, if you don't, if you're not doing what he's called you to do, there's a faith problem there. Lord, I believe I'm going to stand before you, but help my unbelief because I'm not doing anything. Right? Or not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. We can do this every part. We can do this over and over again. Amen? We can continue to do this in our life, but I think we're afraid of it. Right? Jesus is saying, if thou canst believe... All things are possible to him that believe it. So then I've got to ask myself, what things are we hindered with right now? What things do we not have enough for, right? Where are the excuses coming in that are ruling our life? Where are the problems? Where are those doubts in our mind? Where are those things? Because Jesus is saying there's no limit when it comes to my end, right? No limit with him. Our side's the limit. But then guess what? We can go to him and we can ask for more faith. Right? Lord, I believe you. I believed you for salvation. I believed you for healing. I believed you for different things in my life. But there's this area right now I need help with. That's what the father needed to do with his son. And his, he found healing in Jesus. As soon as he turned to him in, in humility and said, Lord, right? Lord, God, I know you can do this. 
but I have my doubts. Jesus erased those doubts. Healed that boy. He could talk after that. He wasn't thrashing around or anything else. And he had a new life. Amen? Amen. That's what Jesus can do, can't he? Make a new life. Oh, we trust him for the unsaved, right? We say, I know he can save your soul because he saved my soul. But what are the things I'm struggling trusting in? Right? We're the father today. What is it today? Where's your weakest point of belief? Where's it at? Where does your faith struggle today? Where's it at? You know what we need to do? We need to take it to Jesus today. Yes. Amen? Amen. Today. That father did a powerful thing. Instead of walking away, instead of continuing in doubt, he said, you know what? I'm going to be honest about my doubt, but then I'm going to take it to the Lord who can erase the doubt. Amen? I still believe he can do that today. What's going on in your life do you need to bring to Jesus today and get him to erase your doubts? I believe he can today. He said, remember it's the if. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. The fancy word for that is a conditional promise. You don't meet the condition, Jesus doesn't have to do the second half. If you don't believe... He doesn't have to make all things possible. But guess what? We've got doubts. That's okay. Men and women throughout the Bible had doubts. You look around this room. We've got doubts. I've had doubts this morning about things. I've had doubts yesterday about things. I'll have doubts tomorrow about things. But guess what I have to do? I have to realize what's going on. I have to put on the brakes before I let the devil send me all the way into doubtville. Right? And I have to stop and I have to say, Lord, help me. Lord, remind me of things you've done. Lord, uh, remind me of promises in your word. Lord, uh, get me to call on you. And instead of trusting in my own understanding, Lord, let me trust you. And then help fill in the gap where my faith is missing. And he will. He'll do that for you today. We're going to open up the altar today. You know me. We got nothing fancy today. I don't have lights. I don't have smoke and mirrors. I don't have the right music to energize and get you all worked up. But I don't need any of that. Because what we have is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And if God is talking to you right now, you need to deal with Him. Yeah. Whatever it is. Of course, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, you need to come to Him for salvation. Because maybe that's the gap for some that are lost. They know He's the Savior. They know he died for their sins. They know they're a sinner, but something is holding them up from coming to Jesus. They need to do the same thing. Lord, I believe you, but Lord, help me with mine unbelief. There's something preventing me from coming to you. Man, if a lost person did that, they'd find themselves saved really quickly, I believe. But what about us? If you think he can do it for the lost person... If you think he can do it for your pastor when I need it, if you think he can do it for the father with his son, he can do it for you. But what is it today? 
We're going to get a song. I want you to come. I want you to cry out to the Lord. Or from your seat. And just be honest with the Lord. Tell Him. Lord, you know that this area I'm struggling with right now. You know the problem. And I'm admitting it to you. Lord, I need help. I need you, Lord. Because my own strength, my own logic, it's not working. It's not working. Is that you today? Is that you? Is that you? That father found healing. And he would just get honest with the Lord. He was like that from a child. And if your only child was like that, I guarantee you'd do anything to try to find help. He came to the disciples, which Jesus wasn't there at the time. I believe the disciples without Jesus being physically right there, that's kind of like the church is right now. Came to them looking for help. The problem was too hard. They couldn't fix it. Oh, Jesus would later tell them the problem was it needed prayer and fasting. But notice Jesus, as soon as that father just said, with tears flowing down his eyes, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. What about you today? You're wondering why things aren't happening. You're wondering why impossible seems to rule over your life. Jesus said, all things are possible, but you've got to believe. And maybe you're one that can just automatically totally believe as if there's nothing. I'm not always like that. In fact, most times I'm not. What I found I'd have to do is get on my knees and say, Lord, I know you can do it, but I'm struggling. I know you can take care of me. But it's hard. I'm hurting. The depression. Right? He can break through those things. And he can help you today. Whatever it is. Don't you feel ashamed. Many men in the Bible went through depressions. Don't you be ashamed of that. The only thing to be ashamed of is trying to fix it yourself. When we have Jesus. He'll help you today. He loves you today. I just I told you, I just read Elijah. He was on the mountaintop, had a great victory. He goes into the valley. Jezebel wants him dead. He runs into the woods by himself, is under a juniper tree, asking the Lord to just take his life. Then he finds himself in a cave all alone in darkness. And then the Lord comes to him. The Lord never let Elijah alone. He stayed with him. Even when Elijah doubted, even when Elijah said, I'm, I'm not even worthy to live anymore, Lord, just take me to heaven. The Lord came to him, showed him a great wind, showed him an earthquake, showed him these things. And he said, but that's not what I want you to see. It was a still small voice. Yeah. 
And Elijah started to listen. Amen. And the Lord basically said this to Elijah. I'm not done with you yet. I still have work for you to do. In fact, I've got someone that you're going to train to be the next prophet. And by the way, you think you're alone. He said, I've got 7,000 that haven't felt bowed down and kissed these idols. They're with you. You can't see them, but they're with you. You're not alone today. And Elijah came out of that cave and did what God wanted him to do. If Elijah's been there, then don't you feel bad for you being there. But I'll tell you what, if you're in that cave today, you listen for his voice. Amen. It's not loud. It's not thunderous. It's still small voice saying, I love you. Right? Yeah. Come to me. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for your love. We don't deserve you, Lord. Lord, I know you're working on hearts. And Lord, I just ask that we would, whether it's here, maybe at home later today, before the cares of this world take over, Lord, I, I just pray that we would just turn to you and just pray to you and be honest with you. And Lord, we could see change. Lord, you love us. Lord, I know you're just waiting for us to be honest with you. Lord, you're a good God. Go with us, Lord, help us to continue on and do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen.